Chapter Four of the Young Railroaders. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain and is read by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Young Railroaders by F. Lovell Coombs. Chapter Four: The Other Tinker Also Makes Good. One evening, shortly after the beginning of the summer holidays, Alex was chatting over the wire with Jack who was now a full-fledged operator at Hammerton, when the dispatching office abruptly broke in and called Bixton. "'I, I, B, X,' answered Alex. "'Is young Ward there?' clicked the instruments. "'This is young Ward.' "'Say, youngster, would you care to do a couple of weeks' vacation relief at Hadley Corners, beginning next Monday?' The man there wants to get off badly, and we have no one here we can send. "'Most certainly I would,' replied Alex, promptly. "'Okay, then. We'll count on you. I'll send a pass down to-night,' said the dispatcher. Thus it came about that the following Monday morning Alex alighted at the little crossing depot known as Hadley Corners, and for the second time found himself if but temporarily, in full charge of a station. Entering the little telegraph room, he announced his arrival to the dispatcher at X. "'Good,' clicked the sounder. "'And now look here, Ward. Don't do any tinkering with the instruments while you are there. We don't want a repetition of the mix-up you got the wire into at BX through your joking a month or so ago.' The joke referred to was a hoax Alex had played on his father the previous first of April. Through an arrangement of wires beneath the office table, by which his foot, unseen, he could make the instruments above click as though worked from another office, he had called his father to the wire, and, posing as the dispatcher, had severely reprimanded him for some imaginary mistake in a train order. It had been all kinds of a lark until, unfortunately, the connections became disarranged, tying up the entire eastern end of the line for half an hour. At the recollection of the escapade, Alex laughed heartily. Nevertheless, he promptly replied, "'Okay, sir. I won't touch a thing.' And the dispatcher saying nothing more, he began calling Bixton. "'I'm here, Dad,' he announced when his father answered and it's a fine little place. The woods come almost up to the back of the station, and the nearest house is a mile away. That's where I am to board. The other operator arranged it. It's going to be a regular little picnic. That's nice, ticked the sounder. I thought you would like it. And then Alex again laughed as his father added, And now no tinkering with things, my boy. Remember. Okay, Dad, I won't touch a thing. Goodbye. It was the following Monday that the All Agents message was sent over the wire announcing an unusually heavy shipment of gold from the Black Hill mines, and warning station agents and operators to look out for and report any suspicious persons about their stations. But these messages, usually following hold-ups on other roads, had been intermittently sent for years, and nothing had happened on the Middle Western, and in his turn Alex gave his OK, and thought nothing more about it. 
A half-hour later he sat at the open window of the telegraph room, deeply interested in the July St. Nicholas, so interested indeed that he did not hear soft footfalls on the station platform without. The man came quietly nearer, reached the window. Then suddenly Alex glanced up, the magazine fell to the floor, and with a loud cry he sprang to his feet. He was gazing into the barrel of a revolver, and behind it was a black-masked face. Hold up, men! The gold train! Wildly Alex turned toward the telegraph key, but the man leaned quickly forward, seized him by the shoulder, and threw him heavily back into the chair. "'You move again, and I'll shoot,' he said sharply, and Alex sank back helpless. Yes, hold up, men, and he had betrayed his trust. Betrayed his trust! That thought stood out even above his terror. Oh, if he had only kept a lookout!' The man, who had said nothing further, presently withdrew the revolver, and took a comfortable seat on the window-ledge. As the silence continued, Alex began somewhat to recover himself, and fell to wondering what the other bandits were doing while this man was watching him. A few moments later the answer came in a single upward click from the instruments. "'There, wires cut, aren't they?' said his captor. "'Yes, I suppose,' said Alex, bitterly. "'They sure are,' said the voice from behind the mask. "'And when we get through, them wires'll be cut so you won't be able to fix em up in a hurry.' Fifteen minutes later a second-masked and heavily armed figure appeared. "'Every wire cut five poles back on either side of the station,' he announced briefly. "'It'll take a lineman half a day to fix em up again,' and we'll be twenty miles away by that time. Now we'll put the hobbles on the youngster and git. Often Alex had longed for just such an adventure as this. The final disenchantment was anything but glorious. Roughly seizing him, the two men forced him stiffly upright in the chair, drew his arms about the back of it, and there secured them, wrist to wrist, drawing the knot until Alex almost cried out in pain. Then, as tightly, they bound his ankles to the lower rungs, one on either side. "'Now one of us is going to watch from the woods for a spell. We'll leave the back door open so we can see right in. And if you make a move, you get this quick. See?' said one of the desperados, tapping his pistol significantly. Therewith they passed out, leaving the rear door wide open, and in utter misery of mind Alex watched them stride toward the trees. Before the two bandits had crossed the open space, however, Alex's mind had cleared, for plainly they were hurrying. Then their promise to watch him must have been only a threat to keep him quiet. Good! At once he began straining at his wrists, paused as the two men reached the edge of the clearing and momentarily turned, and as they disappeared amid the trees, began struggling with grim determination. It seemed a hopeless task at first, and the rawhide thongs cut cruelly into Alex's wrists and ankles. But bravely he struggled on, wriggled and twisted, paused for breath, and struggled again. And finally one hand came suddenly free. It required but a few seconds to get into his pocket, reach his knife, and open it with his teeth. A moment later Alex was on his feet, and staggered out onto the platform.
Yes, the wires were cut, five poles in either direction. Alex clenched his hands. After all, what could he do? To restore the line was entirely out of the question. Had there been but one break, he could not have climbed the pole and carried aloft that heavy stretch of wire. And there was less than twenty minutes in which to work, to catch the overland at Broken Gap, for undoubtedly it was beyond that point that the bandits planned holding her up, probably on one of the steep grades of the Little Timber Hills. Suddenly Alex uttered a gasp of hope. A moment he debated, with nervously clasped hands, then, exhaustion forgotten, dashed back into the little telegraph room, found a screwdriver, and in a few minutes had loosened from the table the telegraph key and the receiving instrument. Catching them up, with some short ends of wire, he darted out and up the track to the west. Two hundred yards distant the intact end of the telegraph line drooped into the drainage ditch. Alex caught it up and dragged it to the rails. Placing the key and relay on the end of a tie, he connected them on one side to the rail, and on the other side to the end of the line wire. But the responding click did not come. Alex groaned in disappointment. He had counted on the rails giving a ground connection. Then the line would have closed, and he could have worked it to the west. But apparently the hot weather had entirely dried out the sand beneath the rails, and thus insulated them. But he was not yet beaten. There was a ground wire at the station. Why could he not use the rails that far, if they were insulated? With a hurrah he seized the end of the line wire, and in a few moments had connected it to one of the rail joints. Then, catching up the instruments, he dashed back for the station. Placing the instruments again on the table, he found a piece of loose wire that would reach from the instruments out through the window to the rails, ran out and quickly connected it to a rail joint, and darting back, connected the other end to the instruments. Instantly there was a sharp downward click. The line was closed. Alex could not suppress a quick, "'Thank heaven!' and, trembling with excitement, he seized the key and began swiftly calling the dispatcher. X, 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 H, C, he called. X, X. He felt the line open and closed his own key. Then, in surprise, he read, So you have been monkeying with the wires there, after all, have you? Now look here. Quickly Alex interrupted and shot back. Train robbers are after the overland. They held me up, and cut the wires both sides of the station. I got free, and have made a connection through the rails. H.C. For a moment the line remained silent, while at his end of the wire the dispatcher sat bolt upright in his chair, eyes and mouth wide open. But in another moment the dispatcher had recovered himself, and springing back to the key, began madly calling Broken Gap. B! 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 X, he called, B, B, X, Q, K, Q, K. Alex shot a glance at the clock, and leaned forward over the instruments, scarcely breathing. There was yet three minutes before the overland was due at Broken Gap. But she did not stop there, and frequently passed ahead of time. If B did not answer the call immediately— the whirr of bees was interrupted, and slowly and deliberately came an I-I-B. Alex leaped in his chair, and again strained forward tensely. "'Has sixty-eight passed? 
hurled the dispatcher. Just coming. Stop her! Flag her! Q.K. Q.K. The line opened as though B was about to make a reply, then smartly closed again. Stop her! Stop her! repeated X. There was a leaden, breathless silence, while Alex nervously clenched and unclenched his hands. At last the line again clicked open, and with a characteristic deliberation that caused the nerve-strung boy a moment's hysterical laugh, B announced, "'Just got her. She's slowing in now. What's up?' The dispatcher at X had regained his equilibrium, and in his usual crisp manner he replied, "'Take this for Conductor Bedford.' Bedford. Hold up apparently planned between Broken Gap and Hadley Corners. Probably on one of the grades of the Little Timbers. Gather a posse quickly, and make sure of capturing them. Report at H.C. Signed, Jordan, X. As B. gave his O.K., with the stumbling hesitation of blank astonishment, the line again opened, and at the first word the intense strain broke, and Alex sank forward over the table with a convulsive sob. "'Grand, my boy, grand!' clicked the sounder. It was his father at Bixton. He had overheard it all. "'Grand! That's the word!' came the dispatcher. "'There's not another operator on the division who would have known enough to do what he did today. I guess we won't bother him any more about his tinkering, will we?' Only half an hour late, the mighty mogul, pulling the overland limited, drew panting to a stop before the little station, and in a moment Alex was surrounded by a crowd of congratulating trainmen and passengers. And when he reappeared, after sending the message which notified the dispatcher of the train's safe arrival, and of the capture of the two bandits, he was surprised and speechlessly confused by having pressed upon him by the enthusiastic passengers an impromptu purse of seventy-five dollars. Later in the afternoon, Alex was called to the wire by Jack, at Hammerton. "'Say, what is all this you've gone and done, Al?' clicked Jack enthusiastically. "'The afternoon papers here have a whole column story. Please attach statement at once.' "'Oh, it looks much bigger than it really was,' responded Alex modestly. "'And anyway,' It came about through my own carelessness. I ought to have been reprimanded, instead of patted on the back. Nonsense! Those hold-up men would have got you, anyway. If you had seen them coming, they would simply have approached in a friendly way, then got the drop on you. You had no gun. But say, added Jack, mock-seriously, how is it these real high-class adventures always come your way? I'm getting jealous. I can assure you, you needn't be. It's lots more fun reading about them. Wait and see," said Alex. Jack was soon to have his opportunity of seeing, though a more disagreeable experience was first to come. End of chapter.